It all begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast, your home for everything motocross, supercross, and dirt bike related. I am Steve, joined as always by Jesse. What's up, Jesse? Just a little frustrated for a couple different reasons, but we'll get into it. We are going to get into it. Uh, Wherever you happen to be listening to this, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you can get notified every time we upload a new show. Also, go and visit our website, www.power2theground.com, to check out for giveaways, merch, and exclusive web content, including our new jug club, jug, 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 jig, jug, jag, jug, jag. Jug Club. Jug Jesse, Club. Jesse, why don't you talk a little bit about the Jug Club, something new we got going on. Yep. So we just launched the Jug Club um, last week. And if you go over to our website, you click on the tab that says Jug Club, um, you can go right over there. We're doing an early adopters deal right now where it is only $5 a month. It will never change. If you're an early adopter, no matter what we add, no matter what we do, your um, can, contribution to power to the ground will always be $5 per month. We will never change that on you. So what do you get with jug club? You ask you get a free power to the ground jug. You get exclusive access to exclusive content. That's double exclusive, Steve, super exclusive, super exclusive squared, if you will. <laughs> um, we will also be doing giveaways to members, uh, members only giveaways. Uh, we're tossing around ideas for what to do with that, um, but I guarantee you, it's definitely going to be worth more than five dollars a month for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the giveaway stuff—we're not going to skimp. We're going to do some really cool, interesting stuff as far as the giveaways go. So make sure to jump on board now. Yes, so that you can be a part of all of that. And. Really, the Jug Club is going to help us. So this is the second time we've recorded this. Um, Unfortunately, this is the second time we've recorded this segment. And this is a huge part of of why we're doing the Jug Club stuff. Um, Steve and I have, uh, we've invested in this because it's something that we believe in. We believe in this sport. We believe that we have something to offer this sport. And we believe that we have something to offer to you guys too. Um, but in order for us to do this the best that we possibly can, uh, we need your help. And um, we hope that you believe in our miss in in our mission. And our mission is to make this sport better for the fans, it, because we think the fans should be the number one priority of the sport. We don't think it, it that they are as of right now. Um, and we just we we need your help to uh, to do this the best possible way that we can. That's it. it. That's, that's, that's pretty much it, you know, and hopefully we get to a point where we don't have to uh, lose stuff and re-record entire segments. Yeah, you know? yeah, that would um, be great. Things like that. So um, head over there to the website, powerthenumber2theground.com, and jump on to the Jug Club. Uh, everybody likes jugs. so Yes, they do. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get into these races, man. Uh, the first thing you want to talk about is um, heroes and villains. You know, so... I think every sport, it's important to have people to root for, but it's really just as important to have someone or something to root against. That's why rivalries are so big in sports, and that's why things like, you know, the Patriots have been a huge villain in the NFL for the past 15, 20 years. Um, I think sometimes in, in this sport, it is a little bit manufactured. You know, you have to kind of find 
little tidbits and like you know Roxanne I didn't like Roxanne for the longest time because he had an excuse for everything but the dude is a talented writer and he's really not a bad person he just liked to make excuses he has gotten way better by the way yes sometimes you are just given a reason to just not like a writer and Dylan Ferrandis last night bullied his way to a victory and I am now actively rooting against him in every race he has ever in forever I agree. I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, he took out everybody in his way, on his way to winning last night's and race. Obviously, the most egregious was the Christian Craig crash. Yeah. Um, didn't even they, Christian Craig had no way to know that he was going to get t-boned like that. Um, it's not like Ferrandez flashed a tire going in, and, and Christian Craig refused to check up because you know we've seen that, right? A guy tries to go in tight, take a guy high, and you know the rider doesn't want to check up. So he gets taken off the track. Well, that's aggressive riding, but it's still good riding. And if you don't check up, that's kind of your own fault. Or, you know, power through it. Right. Um, what Ferrandis did was come completely out of nowhere on a turn he had no business trying to make the pass on and wiped Christian Craig completely out. He had no chance to check up or even react to it. Nope. No, he had a, he had a fraction of a second, like a small fraction of a second, but between when he actually saw Ferrandis and when Ferrandis barreled into him. And we're was, not alone here. Every no. time they showed that replay in that stadium, the boos were like louder than the interviews Loud. and the audio from the from the the feed because it was like the crowd knew that was dirty. Yeah. That wasn't aggressive. I love aggressive riding, right? Anderson and Bam Bam and, and these guys who are uh, Osborne, you try to, you know, go in on him. Cianciarulo learned last week that why that's a bad <laughs> idea. Um, good aggressive riding is fun and interesting and makes for awesome racing. Um, dirty riding is not good for anybody in the sport. No, not at all. So they were going to, it looked, sounded like they were going to review it and then they kind of backed down on it. And I really, he should have been penalized. He should have been. Yeah. Uh, he should have been penalized at least a spot on that one. At least a spot. If not just DQ'd from the whole race. It was it was pretty bad. It was that was that was about as egregious of a dirty move as as we've seen in some in some time. Um, so Ferrandis bullied his way to a win, which moves him up to second in the standings. Um, let's talk about the other big story from the 250 race last night: the tragedy, tragedy that is Jet Lawrence. Oh, oh. I, I my heart was it's, broken. It too, Brute, because Jet was doing jet things and we've now spent this will be the third week in a row talking about jet and his just absolutely phenomenal natural raw talent a 16 year old kid that is as good if not better than every other rider in that 250 class already um running up front for the entire race uh 11 second lead and he makes a rookie mistake he goes down right yep um Fine, it happens, but he had built up such a huge lead for himself that he was still in first when he got back up. Unfortunately, that allowed the bully to catch up to him, and we had what might be one of the most exciting last laps I've seen in racing in a long time. Yeah, and he goes down again, breaks his collarbone, breaks, and that's the yeah. part that hurts. If he had been able to get back up and salvage a third, fourth, or fifth, or whatever, I, you know, I still think we're sitting here talking about what a phenomenal talent this kid is. And we are going to anyway, but now he's going to miss at least three to six weeks because he broke his collarbone. Yep. It was a bad crash, man. Like, first of all, let me let me lay it out here for you a little bit. So it was 
coming out of the whoop section, the shorter whoop section that then went into a rhythm section before a turn. He's coming out of those whoops, and he gets... We'll, uh, we'll say he got a little bit too far forward at the end, and he ended up on his front wheel doing an endo for 20, yeah, it was 20 a, it to was 30 a, feet. It was a good little while. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he didn't actually fall. I, I For a minute there, it looked like he was going to get control oh, of it. If he had gotten back down on that back tire, man, that uh, would have been one of the most impressive saves I've ever seen. Yeah, and he still would have taken a second second for the night, but... Um, he wasn't able to get his weight back because he was already just too far forward. And he went straight over the handlebars right into the face of that triple that was coming up that goes back into that. that um, it's the last turn before the dragon back that goes into the, fi- the, the finish jump. over the finish jump. So he was that close. But when he hit the front of that jump, the way that he hit it, and the way that he was just lying there motionless, my mind went immediately to the worst. Like I felt like I was watching the Jeremy Martin crash all over again when he was just like, I know I wasn't alone in this. I didn't think I, I, I didn't think Jeremy Martin was ever gonna walk again. Never mind, yeah, you know how long moved. it was gonna take him. But he was just he was there motionless. And the thing is, the crash itself to me didn't even seem like the worst crash of the night. Never mind of you know certain races. It was brutal. Oh, I agree. It was it was bad, but it looked like one of those crashes where you're like, ooh, and then the right. guy kind of gets up, gets back on his bike. But when I saw that he wasn't getting back up, I was definitely nervous. And then you know, obviously, turned out he had the broken collarbone. So uh, the other the other big part of last night was Forkner. Um, yeah. Just first of all, uh, you want to talk about personal uh, bias and rooting for and against people? I just personally have been rooting against Forkner. I think he's just too far into the cocky, arrogant side. Um, he was talking trash after the first heat race. I mean, it was an impressive heat. Don't get me wrong. He won by like 10 seconds. It was it was great. But he came out, oh, I wanted to dominate these guys and this, this, and it was just really cocky. And then he finishes 17th because he can't stay on his on two wheels. Right. Um, so definitely a disappointment for him after getting the win last week. Uh, I think he's got some things to sort out and get his head right because it just – he put a lot into that heat, and then the main main event comes out, and it looks a little bit more like the first week as opposed to last week. And right. Last week, he looked—nobody was touching him last week. I didn't think he was any doubt who was winning that race last week. Yeah. Uh, I think he was also a little bit hurt after he, <laughs> after, so, he after he got back up on his bike. Um, so— uh, it's not as funny. The, all right. First of all, we've recorded this already before, but it's still funny. It's just, you'll you'll have to forgive us. It's not quite as funny the second time around. But the way Forkner got back up off the ground after he crashed. Did his little jig. He did it. He, he was doing, what was it? He was doing a dance. Like he was clearly hurt, right? He was like, ooh. Ah. And, but that's what, so my first thought, watching him kind of do this dance, this weird little like hands yeah. on his back. Hand, my first thought was the Peter Griffin, like, Ah. Man, I gotta grab that footage, and I gotta put it put, to music. Put it. <laughs> I gotta put it like some mariachi band music or something like that. Either that, or grab the audio from the Peter Griffin doing that. Yeah, because ah. that's it. He was like kind of arching his back, like he was hurt and walking around. I'm like, dude, pick the bike up. I knew it. It probably hurts. You're probably in pain. I respect that you're even walking fine, cool. But get back on your damn bike. And then he got stuck on the tough block. Yeah, couldn't get off the tough block. And then just next thing you know, he's back in like 17th. And uh, so, yeah, not not a great, great, great night for him. No. Um, 
And, you know, good on him for getting back on the bike. Not all the riders could have done that in the wake of the Ferrandis uh, catastrophe. Right. Um, but, you know, we we talk constantly about um, winning championships. And you have to salvage your worst nights to compete for a championship. And at 17th is going to severely hurt Forkner in the long run because the other guy we need to talk about, Justin Cooper, had a quietly good night. Yep. Yeah, he did. I mean, he it was he was a benefactor of circumstance. Um for sure. For sure. No so. more than the next guy we'll talk about, but um <laughs> the hero of the night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My new favorite rider. No. Um Cooper this is 2 weeks in a row now where he looked solid but not great. Um and both times he's finished second. So it's hard for me to like criticize him too much right. for it. But after week one, it looked like he was going to run away with this thing. He was so solid and so fast in Anaheim one um, for him to just kind of, he would not have finished second had there not been a battlefield in front of him. Um, it was looking like he was, he was cruising for like a fourth. Maybe he could have pulled off a podium there. Um, he might've, you know, he might've ended up passing Christian Craig had Craig not gone down and, and finished with a podium. But it just didn't look like there was that that fire to to catch up to first like we've seen from him in the past. So it was just it was still a good night for him, and those are the kind of nights that you we've done. You win championships. He's now yep. got a one two two, and that's a pretty solid. You know, that's a start. <laughs> that's, a, that's a damn good start to the season yeah. for somebody who's a favorite to win it all. But uh, I would just like to see him kind of get that little bit of that fire back from week one and um, put some really really solid fast laps down. I I'm just not sure that that's justin cooper you know that that's that's a criticism of dungies for years is that people just wanted to see a fire and some aggression out of him but i mean he just rolled his way into 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 several straight championships (laughs) i i don't know that i want i care about the aggression and and that kind of fire from from cooper i just know we've seen him be faster smoother than we've seen the past few weeks, uh, and particularly last night. The last week he was fine. Forkner wasn't being beat, and he finished a solid second. Last night, I, I I have trouble saying it's even second because he did not race like a second place rider last night. It just happened to be where he finished. Right. Um. I want to see a little bit of that speed come back. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, uh, the aggressiveness is fine. Consistency is great. He's doing fine with that right now. But again, he would have been finished fourth, third, or fourth tops. With uh, with with everything going on, so not a bad night, not a great night, I think for for Cooper. Although he did finish second, yeah, yeah, and that's that's really what he's got to do. He's just got to he's got to keep it on two wheels because a lot of these guys in front of him, and maybe he knows this that a lot of these guys who are riding in front of him, that's a big problem that they have is staying on two wheels. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the 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 two guys that are um his biggest challengers for the championship one of them can't start before like in front of seventh or eighth right in ferrandis and last night he probably just got frustrated with his crappy starts and started just pushing people around yeah i mean Um, even his average start on the season now is slightly better than it was last week but it's still 11.7 that's awful yeah (laughs) so one of his competitors can't start and then the other competitor is having trouble finishing in two out of the three weeks that he's raised in Forkner yeah um so Cooper's starting up front and finishing up front can't can't really criticize that too much no no not at all now on to my new favorite rider the hero of the night 
So you want to talk about somebody who has lucked into a podium two weeks in a row. It's Hartenraft. Brandon Hartenraft, <laughs> the hero of the night. He is. First of all, loved his interview last night. Uh, he nailed it. I, he knows. He yeah. knows. I was halfway expecting him to crack open a beer halfway through that interview. He's like, you know what? It's like, I'm just waiting for these people to go down. <laughs> just hope they stay down long enough for me to pass them. <laughs> it did. He was so he know that that's it's a it's a really uh, uh it's a great amount of self awareness. Yeah. Um. In that you know maybe I didn't earn the third so much as just stayed up long enough to get it. Exactly. Because Ferrandis was dropping people like flies in front of me. Um. So <laughs> I absolutely um. He knows it. We know it. He lucked into third two weeks in a row. But that puts him third, third over. overall in the standings. <laughs> this guy has a legitimate chance right now. Legitimate. And he's only two points down from second. So <laughs> I'm not going to do the full rant from the previous recording because I, I, I hope we can find that at someday and just and just bring it back. Because, yeah. Um, however, I really hope. Like, it is my sincere hope right now, and I will be rooting for this for the rest of the season, that these two thirds, like, spark something in him, and he just goes on a tear. Yeah. Because everybody is looking at this guy going, okay, well, we'll wait until everybody stays on two wheels. You're going to drop back down to fifth, sixth, or seven, wherever you belong, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, you know what? I'm taking advantage of this. And I just he just goes, and he wins, like, four or five races in a row, and he's just, like, competing with Cooper and Ferrandez for a championship at the end. And everyone's like, how? And he's like... Locked into a championship, yeah. huh? <laughs> and you can just like shove it down everybody's throats. That like, oh, luck into this, and it just rattles off like unstoppable wins. Yeah, I mean, this is this guy is my two fifty rider now, especially now that Jet Jet's is out. out. Yeah. So, um, you know, did I mention it on this one yet? What what's going on with Jet? The collarbone. Yeah, uh, maybe. All right, um, let me get uh, three to six case, weeks. Three to six weeks. If he gets a plate, it's six. If it's if he doesn't get a plate, it's three. But we. Pretty much hoping he just takes the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, I, I, as, as much as he's flashed an ridiculous amount of, of, of talent, he has so much to learn. Use this as a learning experience, kid. Take the rest of the season and watch your competitors. Watch how they handle the same situations that you were in. Heal up, get better, and come back strong in the future. Because the worst thing that I think he could do is try to rush back to yeah. get some more experience under his belt and then hurt himself again and worse. And suddenly you're ending up with like a Roxton type situation. Right. You're not learning anything if you're not on the track. I'd rather you take a little bit of extra time now instead of rush back and get hurt. Right. So I digress on that point. Back to the serious talk. Brandon Hartenraft. Um, new favorite rider for the <laughs> New 250s. favorite rider for the 250s. Um, Brandon, if you happen upon this podcast and you hear this episode please reach out to us get the power to to the ground and get up front my friend put the power to the (laughs) ground brandon that's it like watch i want to see him on the podium every single week for the rest of this season and you know what at this rate the way that ferrandis is battling people and the way that forkner can't stay up he's got a chance to do it because craig is had the worst luck of any rider I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. So who knows where he's going to finish because he could be anywhere from first to last, right. as we've seen. 
Um, well, if you ain't first, you're last. So. <laughs> that, dude, that poor guy. <laughs> like, just the amount of things he's had to battle through, and then to come back and to have two of his three races end like they have, when he's shown that he can ride up front, right. is uh, poor Craig, man. Yeah. Uh, just hope that karma comes back around and kind of shows him some love here in the future, because he's getting it. <laughs> he he Yeah, I don't know what he did. <laughs> sometime. I mean, he pushed over a grandma on Black Friday sometime in the past. I don't know. So I think that pretty much wraps up the 250s. We all are out on Ferrandis. We all are in on Hart and Raft. Forkner needs to stay on two wheels, and Cooper is doing his thing. You want to do some results real quick before we jump in? Just do the season stats, the season overalls? You can, you can do season overalls, yeah. All right. So uh, we've got Justin Cooper in first. Um, Dylan Ferrandis, uh, 12 points down. Bullied in, his way into second. In second. Um, we've got the hero, Brandon Hart and Raft, in number three. Austin Forkner dropped down to number four. Alex Martin standing strong in number five. Jet Lawrence, who uh, I'm I'm kind of hoping his season is over. Um, uh, for the right reasons. For the right reasons. He's in number six. Then we have Jacob Hayes at number seven. Michael Moseman, number eight. Mitchell Oldenburg, number nine. And Luke Clout in number 10. Some notables lower than that. Christian Craig fell down to number 15. That's really unfortunate. Unfortunate. He he had a really promising season ahead of him coming into it. We were all excited he was going to get to race, and then just to have this happen, like, yep. So poor guy. Yeah, it's shaping up to be as exciting as we thought it was going to be. We've talked about how this two fifty class looked like it could be an absolute just battle for the whole season and it is absolutely shaping up to be exactly that it would be even more so if jet wasn't hurt because now he would be competing for those those spots but even without jet um it's it's looking really good for the rest of the season agreed looking forward to it man i i almost am more excited for 250s at this point than i am for almost but we're gonna get into why i think the 450s have been and will continue to be really really exciting um, after we take this break. Before we get into the actual 450 races, there's just something I know we've been wanting to talk about, and that is um, why they haven't fired the track designers at Anaheim. Because those whoops were awful. Terrible. Awful. They were too far apart. They were. They, it's, it's getting to the point where it's no longer just about creating one. Like Anaheim 1 was about one line, right? There was no nowhere to pass. It was boring. It was just stretched out. Um, this was dangerous. Yeah, we saw entirely too many riders going down in the whoops. Entirely too many riders admitting they were worried about and nervous about and scared of those whoops, and it came to it came to pass. Every almost everyone who went down, minus like a Jet Lawrence crash, went down in those whoops. That is poor track design, and it needs to be addressed. It absolutely <clears throat> needs to be addressed. And every single rider who had a microphone to their face last night said something about the whoops. And these guys, you have to understand, they can't necessarily speak their mind on this. And this one of the big reasons we're doing what we're doing is we want to give these guys a voice. They have no leverage, no leverage against the organization that they that they are participating in. And this is the only sport really where that takes where that is is so prominent. Um you know, if if there's a contract negotiation 
in the NBA or in the NFL, they go to ESPN and they start dropping dropping lines to ESPN, and all of a sudden, the leverage is completely yeah, gone. Public opinion is a is a huge um, point of leverage when it comes to negotiating or any kind of dispute because. Nobody wants to have the public against them because for businesses, the public is what's spending the money. Right. And for riders, the public is what the reason you're making money. Right. Um, so when the public is on your side, you have a massive amount of leverage. So you're right. When these players who are negotiating go out and say, oh, man, you know, they only offered me this, this, and that. And it's like, whoa, wait. And the public says, that's crazy. How could you offer them? The team's like, crap, no, we don't want them to hit. Oh, yeah, here, here. What about this? We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, of course, they do it on the other side, too, and there's a little bit of back and forth. But it's a stage. The public and media become a stage. Without that in this sport— um, you get a whole lot of reading between the lines is what you get. You have in order for you to actually decipher what it, it's almost like reading another language. You have to look at look at what they're saying and you have to almost translate it into what it is that they're actually saying. And when every writer in every single interview is talking about the whoops, you need to fix your whoops. You need to fix your whoops, man. I mean, there's a. There is, there's a fine line that you got to walk here. And I understand that as a track designer, part of your job is to make this as exciting as possible. But there's a fine line between making it exciting and just subjecting your riders to, to, to injury. Like and almost inevitable injury. It's almost – and you got to think too. It's so counterintuitive. Like if you hurt your riders, there are less riders to compete. Therefore, your sport suffers. Right. So make a track that is, again, um, St. Louis last week was the perfect example. That was the best track layout I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Every rhythm section had multiple ways to take that rhythm section that were viable. Not just, there wasn't just one way to take the rhythm and that's it. Um, There was no interesting rhythms last night. Um, So that's a big part of it. The whoops were entirely too far apart and entirely too difficult. The 250 riders couldn't even make it through them. And by the end of the race, they were jumping the whoops because they were so far apart. And they had been degraded by so much. When you do the whoops right, yes, they slow down over the course of the race. Of course, that's inevitable. But you are still able to take them as if they are whoops by the end of the race. Unless you're a smaller rider who prefers jumping through the whoops. That's a choice. You're not being forced into that. Right. So... You have to make your track difficult because they're professionals. You make it too easy, and then you're not going to get any excitement. Fine. I get that. St. Louis did that perfectly. It was a te- technically difficult track to navigate, which really brought out the strategy of racing. Awesome. Last night was just physically difficult and dangerous. Yeah. And there's a huge difference, and that was not – watching riders constantly go down is not exciting. These are professionals. If there is, If they can't stay up on these tracks, nobody can. Right. So your track design sucks if that's the case. And I think Anaheim really needs to look at how they're designing these whoop sections because we even mentioned it in outdoors a little bit last year. Whoops have gotten worse and worse and worse over the years. They never used to be this bad, right? No, I I don't think so. I mean, the, the biggest difference that I see in the whoops now versus what they used to be is they just keep getting further and further apart. Um, and deeper. And deeper. And so, so there's that part of it. Now, I don't want to say that Anaheim was all bad. They made one good decision as the far split. as was the split. Um, that that split was a great. It, it, they must have heard all of the criticisms from 
from Anaheim one, as far as there only being one line through the whole thing, it was a parade, and they changed it literally. <laughs> like literally, literally they're gave like, you oh, two different lines. <laughs> yeah, you have an absolute choice. There's not, you know, <laughs> you can either go left or you can go right. Which, from a design perspective, is an absolute cop out. It did happen to work out to be a really interesting choice because when we saw riders go in, they didn't lose a whole lot of time. Now. When you So it was a right turn into the split and a left turn out of the split. So right. it ended up being that the better line most of the time was to go outside going into it so that you were on the inside coming out most of the time. But we saw quite a few riders that were either forced to because of where they were on the track or to try to make a pass or to try to gain position or jockeying would take that inside and they didn't lose any time, right. which means that that was a good choice. It was an interesting um kind of a thing there. Do you try to make the pass going into the turn and then take a better rhythm in the split so that you're still ahead coming out of it? Or do you bide your time, go outside, and then try to end up on the inside coming out of that split rhythm? Um, good, interesting choices. Fine. Do more stuff like that and fix your whoops, and I will have no complaints about Anaheim. Yeah. that that It's really, it's just come, if, at the end of the day, it's the whoops, man. That they're, your rhythm sections weren't, they weren't, they weren't great. great. They, weren't, they terrible. weren't great. They weren't terrible. There was some interesting. There was some cool tabletop there was, sections. There was some that cool tabletop sections. There was some cool ninety degrees, uh, ninety degree turns. There was that one like squared one eighty turn that I yeah. really liked. It was like a left turn, a short straight, and another left turn yeah. back the other way that had uh, a small jumpy rhythm section in the turn. Right. That really was. It just looked cool. It made for some really interesting choices on whether you were going to double single single through that turn or you're going to single double out or you know how inside outside kind of choices um right. so that was it was another section of the track that I enjoyed um so with that in that respect it was better than Anaheim 1 um but when Ricky Carmichael spends most of his night talking about who's faster through the whoops that means that's the only section of your track that actually matters and it was yeah the the whoops were the only set because look in the 450s which we're getting to our top 2 riders are the two best riders we've ever seen in the whoops, and that's Roxon and Tomac. Yeah, agreed. There's no, there is absolutely no mistake that that played a massive part in that. And even Roxon was jumping through the whoops at the end of the night. It was so bad. I think Tomac was the only one I didn't see consistently Tomac, jumping it, through the whoops. Right, and he he was still jumping through them every once in a while. Yeah, so he wasn't doing it consistently, but he Tomac is uh, Tomac is one guy. He's the only guy that I can think of. Other than maybe Malcolm Stewart, who when he gets into a whoop section, he just, his whole strategy through a whoop section is to just grab as much throttle as he possibly can. Um, So for him with that strategy, like you can see that is Tomac's strategy going through whoops. For him to also have to jump through whoops every once in a while with him having that as a strategy, you... the, some of the, those whoops could have been doubles. Yeah. That's how that's how high and far apart they were. It was terrible. So I don't want to spend too much time on the track because it is going to consistently change. But that's something I do. It really needs to be addressed. And when they make those mistakes, we need to call it out. Fans need to call it out, and hopefully the riders can be a little bit more open about calling it out. Yeah. Um, but that also means when the track is good, like St. Louis was great last week. Um, we can also praise that. And hopefully, you know, public opinion and outcries over things like terrible tracks, terrible whoops versus, I mean, Ricky has to have a say. He said it. He knew it. He knew that the whoops were the deciding factor last night. And yeah. that does not mean you have an interesting race. 
No, it does so not. Hopefully, guys like him that have a lot of influence and pull, he helps design some of these tracks. So hopefully, he can get in there and be like, guys, can we just take it back a notch? Just a, just a, just a little bit with these whoop sections. <laughs> let's preserve our talent pool, please. Serious, because right now, let's get into the 450s. Because last night, we saw something that I have been waiting for and we haven't had in this sport in a long, long time. And that is like six, seven deep of contenders. So at one point in the race, I think I pointed it out. You had Roxon and Tomac. I think it was before Tomac ended up making the pass. You had Roxon, Tomac. So two guys who are perennial contenders when Roxon's not injured. Two favorites, two guys that can win a championship at any point. Then you had Webb and Anderson, the last two Supercross champions. Yep. Then you had Cianciarulo, a rookie who has already shown that he can compete. That is at least five riders that, on. Um, if you were to ask me if any of those riders could potentially win the championship this year, I said absolutely. We haven't had that deep of a pool. And it's actually a little bit deeper than that if you really want it to look is. at it. But I'm talking about like if you, I had to put my money on any rider, I would pick one of those five. Right. And – that is – we haven't – it's usually two or three tops. And now after – especially after last night, and it's not just last night actually. It's through throughout this whole thing. I get to throw one more into the mix, and that's Zach Osborne. And don't forget Barsha. And Barsha, who, who was, was the points leader going into last night, and while he did not have a great night, I'm going to He's clearly not off, feeling well. Yeah, he was clearly still battling whatever he was, he's been battling because it happened to uh, Cooper Webb too. So Cooper Webb – Got sick in week one, but still finished third. And yep. then got it got worse throughout the week, and he had a terrible week in week two. So Barsha got sick last week, still finished second. Yep. And then throughout the week, it got worse, and he clearly was not feeling it last night. Yeah, so let's reserve judgments for the Bam Bam bandwagon until next week. We'll, we'll see what happens. But again, so now you want to talk about Osborne, who showed a little bit of something yesterday, and Barsha. You're talking about seven riders right now that are – could be considered elite level riders, and, right? And the the we cannot <laughs> remove the most inconsistent factor. However, the potentially one of the best ones, Blake Blake Baggett. I was waiting for. It. I was like, Are we talk about Blake Baggett. Yeah, he's, ah, that, he's he his upside is tremendous, but he is so so inconsistent. He was up in first. He was gaining on Roxon last night. Yeah, when he, he passed, went down, he passed Roxon for for a second. Uh, well, yeah, there. for a little while. So he was right there. Looked like it was going to be one of those kind of baggage kind of nights, and then he ends up going down. Yep. So you're right. So I mean, even eight. So finishing eighth in that pool, like eighth is normally a finish you don't want if you're if you're trying to compete for a championship, right? If you're right. considered an elite level rider, but if you finish eight and those other guys are this, if you're Baggett and you finish eighth and those other seven guys that we just mentioned are the seven guys in front of you, how are you going to be upset? You can't because right. any one of those guys is one of the best riders on the planet. So um, I love how deep the talent pool is this year in the four fifties. And I know that, you know, we're big fans of the two fifties this year and how exciting it is. This is really shaping up to be an awesome four fifty season because in both classes, three races, three different winners. Yep. Three races, three different winners, and that's what we're looking for. Let's jump into the results from last night. Yeah, I think that's the so, best way to do it. So I'm gonna do when I go through the results, I'm gonna do um where they finished and where they started. Okay. 
Okay, so we'll do we'll do basically Great. And then a I conversation a, for each yeah, one. Yeah, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about each one because uh, especially this, this number one guy, let's do it. Who finished so, first? Third winner of the year. After three races, we have finally Eli Tomac decided to show up for the Supercross season. He showed up, yeah. But when Eli shows up, it's usually to put everybody else on notice. And exactly. that is the part that got me excited. So I know... He started you, in 10th, by the way. Eli started... <laughs> That's what I expected in those first two weeks. Eli's always been able to overcome bad starts. And the fact that he couldn't do it in weeks one and weeks two, in week two uh, had me concerned. Yep. I'm like, what is going on? Well, he showed up last night and put the rest of the field on notice. Like, oh, by the way, guys, I'm here. I'm going to start doing Eli things now. <laughs> and if that doesn't concern those other riders or people who are fans of those other riders, it should. Because when we know when Eli shows up, it's usually for long stretches at a time. So yep. it's usually anywhere from three, four, five to ten, eight, nine, ten races in a row. He can either win or first or second. Like there's a good chance that in a month or two from now, we're talking about Eli's like eighth, ninth win in a row. And we're like, well, is this thing over? Right. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but he has that type of potential. And I was waiting for it, and I know you're not. He is your villain in the 450s. He is probably the villain in the 450s. He is the rider I'm still 100% rooting for in the 450s. So for me to see him say to Will Christensen, um, I need to show up. I need to get it done tonight. It's time to get this done. And then back that up, that shows me that his head is back on right, and he is back to being Eli. And now... Told you it was only a matter of time. Now you would be stupid to bet against him in any week. Agreed. I'm hoping that this the 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 pack can hedge the dominance that we we've seen him have in the past. Um just for entertainment's sake, really sure. at this point. Um I so, think they will. So his average start on the season, by the way, he crawled with that win. He crawled back into the top three for the overalls um for the season. His average start on the season now, he which he's he finished above his average, which means he pulled it up. <laughs> he pulled up his average, uh, eleven. His average start on the season. Jeez. So, um, yes, there is a ton of there is a ton of talent here. But if there's one thing that all of these other riders can can just hang on to, he hasn't figured out. His he starts hasn't yet. figured out his starts yet. Yeah. So there's Here's still the, a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. There's, you're saying there's a chance. Here's the problem. He started, you said, 8th last night? 10th. 10th. Uh, okay. He started in 10th last night, and it wasn't one of these like crazy, like, over the course of the race, he worked his way up and finally caught the leader. He was in first, like, halfway through that race after having started in 10th. It was, it was yeah, fairly early. Yeah, there was a early, few minutes left. There was uh, fairly early on in the race. There was a decent amount of time with, left when he took first and then just checked out. Um, uh, he didn't totally check out, though. I mean, there was... Maybe he three, led up towards the end there. Three and a half. I think he ended up with a three and a half second lead on Roxon. Yeah, and he, Roxon picked it back up a little bit towards the end. But I mean, I think Tomac's one of those guys that knows how to manage a, manage a gap too. You know, um, he more or less checked. I didn't have any confidence that there was anybody, including Roxon, that was going to catch him in that race. And Roxon looked great too. So let's let's do that. Number two. Number two was uh, was Ken Roxon, and Ooh. he took the whole shot. And is our new points leader. And he is our new points leader. So, uh, follows up this awesome story from last week that finally getting the monkey off his back, getting the win, the wife in tears, and the emotion that I just did not want to relive. Yep. So, two weeks in a row, he's got his first win 
and he's got the red plate. And he, so he looks right now to be the strongest uh, contender of all the riders. Yeah, I, I would say uh, he's been fairly consistent this whole season. Anyway, I know he kind of didn't show up in week one, um, but the past couple of weeks, he's just his starts have been good, and he got passed a few times these last couple of weeks, and for the most part, made passes back until Tomac made that 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 final pass yesterday. Um, Roxon, I think, is probably my odds-on favorite to win it all right now if you were to just you know extrapolate through the rest of the season what we've seen so far um i think barsha has a chance to come back strong and tomac can just run away with it at any point but right now roxon to me has shown to be the strongest i mean first and his second last two weeks is nothing to sneeze at yeah and what did he i think he got fifth or sixth week one it was like sixth yeah because he was was sixth and tomac was seventh yeah it was like really just a rough week for both of them yeah which it was anaheim it was a rough week for everybody so then uh, right after Roxon was Cooper Webb, finished third, um, started in fifth. He made some moves. Actually, he was one of the ones. He he made his way up to the front, like, pretty – he got in so front of Roxon. here's the thing about three through, like, six. They were trading places that whole race. Right. Ciancerulo was up there, and then Anderson passed – Webb and Ciancerulo, and then Webb passed Ciancerulo and Anderson, and then Ciancerulo passed Anderson, and Anderson passed back. Like this, that whole three through six showed you exactly why this pool is so deep. Because normally, when we see Pat, like, oh, look, a rider is just sometimes faster than another rider. It's a matter of can he make the pass and can he make it stick? There was no passes for most of that race that were sticking for any period of time. Right. It was great racing. Yeah. They, and they, they all looked in really good form. Um, then after that was the Zach Osborne um, finished in fourth. He started in third. Um, so he got actually Zach Osborne got. He's one of those guys. He got passed and passed several times. He got shuffled back to. I think the worst he was at was sixth at sixth, one point, right? And then worked his way back up. Yeah, uh, Osborne, you mentioned too. You're really high on him right now. He looked really, really solid yesterday. Yeah, and this he's one of those guys that I think people tend to forget about. Um, he's an incredibly talented rider. You know, he, he hasn't really, I don't feel like he's reached his full potential. He's a little bit, he's on the older side, especially for somebody who's still basically new to the 450 class. But let's not forget, he strung off a bunch of championships in a row in the 250 class. And Sansarulo was in that class when that was happening. So, this guy can't be discounted. He is he is a championship caliber rider. Obviously, um, he he just I think his name just needs to be thrown into the mix here, and I think he's kind of proving that. I mean, he's he's still he's in seventh overall for the season. He had a really really bad week one though, right in Anaheim. But he's got an average he's got an average finish of seven which would make sense because he's in seventh overall so the points worked out for there yeah so the thing with osborne for me is i i personally i don't think i can put him in that top tier quite yet i think osborne is one of those guys that has enough talent like i used to feel about barsha and we'll see if that changes in the next couple weeks but the way that i have always felt about barsha and a guy like osborne right now 
is they're talented enough to throw a wrench in things. They can rattle off a win, maybe two in a season. And you're like, wow, where did this guy come from? An impressive win, right? A whole shot, run away with it type of win. They're that talented. But to me, they're not on the level of the Roxons, Tomax, Webs of the world where I don't have any faith that by the end of the season, Osborne will be anywhere within sniffing distance of like a top two or three in the championship. I agree with you. I think he's going to crawl up further than seventh. Yeah, I agree. Fifth, maybe fifth, maybe uh, fifth or sixth. Yeah. I mean, so... If he really has a good couple of stretches, fourth. So we've got... Um, We've got for the top the the people above him in the overalls. We've got Roxon, Barsha, Tomac, Anderson, Sianciarulo, and Webb. And I I'll be totally honest. There's really only one guy that I think in that in that range is going to fall below him, and that's Sianciarulo. I think Sianciarulo hasn't shown me enough that he's going to to keep. I'm sure he's going to qualify great every week, but uh, there, he hasn't shown me enough to see to um, to say that he's going to compete week in and week out with these guys. He I think he'll get, get there. He keeps getting shuffled back. I think he'll get there, and I think he'll get there by the end of the season. Um, so I don't know that I would even put Osborne ahead of Cianci Rulo in the standings at this point by the end. Um, and that's the thing. I Total respect. I love his attitude, Osborne's attitude, he, and he is definitely a tough guy. You, you learn. You go in hard on him watch out when he when you come back around to him um love that attitude he's not dirty though he's just aggressive he's he's strong he's tough to pass yeah and he has the potential to be one of the faster riders out there just not consistent enough and he's not quite in that remember we talked about brayton was like there's like a tier one and a tier two and i had always put like a brayton in like a tier one and a half yeah. i think osborne kind of falls in that tier one and a half where he can ride with the elites but he doesn't compete on a long term with the elites i would agree with that yeah and then number five um, another guy who's really hard to pass, though he didn't seem very hard to pass last night, was Jason Anderson. Um, Jason Anderson... Can't get a read on this guy, can you? Can't get a read on him, no. <laughs> it, I mean, he seems like he's trying to race a... I mean, he's fourth overall for, on the season right now, and he just... He's within striking distance of of winning the championship. Um, he can podium week in, week out. Which is all the things you would win a championship with, right? You know, uh, he finished fifth last night. Uh, he he also didn't look, um, he didn't look like he was in great form last night. Uh, I but mean, that's that, a, he hasn't. There's been a few races. I think last week towards the end he came on pretty strong. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, <clears throat> excuse me, for the most part he just hasn't um, shown the the speed and overall like Grit. that we've known right. Anderson to have in the past. So my, my theory, I'm going to stick with my theory. And that is once he won his championship, he checked out of like top level competing. He's still going to collect his paycheck. He's fast enough and talented enough to be in the top five pretty much every week without even blinking, but to push that extra mile, you know, especially after coming off of an injury and be like, do I want to risk getting injured again and losing out on the rest of my career? Or do I just rest on the fact that I'm a Supercross champion, I'll compete with these guys, make things interesting, but not really push too hard? Because Anderson's at his best when he's pushing. Right. Um, I think I just don't know if he has that internal fire to push past that point anymore. That's my theory. 
I can't argue with you on that one because, I mean, proof's kind of in the pudding. <laughs> he hasn't shown otherwise, right? Now, look, if he goes and rattles off like six in a row and suddenly he just starts making these crazy passes, becomes difficult yep. to pass again, okay, he's nope. gotten it back. I was wrong. Stand corrected. Yep. But until I see that, I think he's just resting on, eh, whatever, I'm a yep. champion. <laughs> then we've got the rookie after that, Adam Cianciarulo. Um, I already spoke about what I feel is um, – I, I think he's a tremendously talented rider, so no death threats from you, CNC Rulo people out there. Um, I think he's a tremendously talented rider. I don't think he is the second coming that all of you have made him out to be coming into the season. Um, I'll be to- I'll be I'll be very surprised if he makes it in the top six for the for the season. Um, he just, I just haven't seen enough from him. I think he's a great Here, qualifier. Just <laughs> here's, here's, so here's where I'm going to disagree just a little bit. Um, he hasn't shown as much as we had, a lot of people had expected him to. Uh, sure. How many 250 riders do we see move up? And I'm not talking about like Lola. I'm talking about like champions. Mm-hmm. There have been 250 champions who, who move up and for years just, they're nobody. Like Davalos um, is just like, where do you finish? Like 15, 16, <laughs> maybe 12. Like, I don't even remember. I remember 13, 13. So do you ever expect Davalos at this point to finish top, top 10 on a, any kind of regular basis? No, no. Um, yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of these, a lot of these guys take time. So for, but for Cianciarulo, he's come up and now consistently been competing for these top five positions. I think he's made some rookie mistakes. I think he's still adjusting to the 450 because he's did so well and 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 rid for so long, rid road, for so long on the 250. Um, he didn't come in and make an immediate splash like Roxon did for sure. But I definitely think he came in and showed that he belongs in this top tier of riders. So I would not write him off even for this season just yet. Um, because if he can figure out his 450 and figure out how to correct some of his mistakes and has been taking notes, like Ricky said, <laughs> watching the guys in Take front out your of pen him, and paper. there is a chance that he starts really rattling off some really impressive finishes over the course of this very long, you know, 14 weeks left season and is still competing for like a top three spot in the championship. I don't think he'll be there for a one or two spot at the end, but I could see him competing for a podium, like a third place overall kind of finish if he can get it together. If he can't, then yeah, he'll be middling five or six for the rest yeah. of the season. Well, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you that he is, he has to be considered in the, in the top tier of riders. The The problem that he has though this year is that the list of top tier riders is much longer than it it's, usually yeah, it's is. It's seven, eight deep. <laughs> right. So, you know, the, the problem with me saying that, you know, he could be top four or even top five is that there's only five spots there. It's just the numbers just don't work out You're for right. me. It, it actually goes back to exactly what I said about Blake Baggett. If you if Sanciarulo finishes the season in seventh and the six riders ahead of him are Anderson, Webb, uh, Roxon, Tomac, and freaking – who am I missing? Oh, my Barsha. God. Barsha. I'm sorry, Barsha. Like – you didn't lose out to scrubs, dude. Right. You finished six behind some damn good riders. So right. I, I agree. There's a chance he just finishes six. I feel like we haven't seen the best of Cianciarulo this yet, yet this year, though, and that's what I'm banking on. Okay. I'm with you on that one. All right. Then we have uh, number seven was Justin Brayton. 
um, who we we all know who Justin Brayton is. He's a uh, well, I I think I know who he is. I think he is somebody who's worked on his craft over a very long period of time, and he is a tremendously technically sound rider, but he just I don't think he has enough in the tank to to keep it going with all of these other guys. Um, we have Malcolm Stewart, who let's just be honest, we the hype was a bit much. For yeah, Malcolm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still he's still who he was before, which is he's just a rider who's trying to find himself. Like he he just can't. I don't know what it is. He's awesome in the whoops. He's crazy, crazy good in the whoops. But he's Even just so much slower on the rest of right. the track. Even last night in these terrible, terrible whoop sections, he was just blowing through those whoop sections and it look making people look like they were standing still in the whoops. Then after that we have <coughs> oh excuse me. Um Barsha who finished ninth. We like we said he, he We're did. giving him a pat sick pass on yeah. this one for sure. Um, um just like we gave Webb a sick pass last week. Yeah, exactly. So it his finish next week to me is going to be the I think next week is the biggest statement race that Barsha has had in a while. He just lost the number 1 plate. Yeah. Um he came off of a, a a rough finish which you know, it's not like he finished 17th, but he came off of a uh, he's coming off of a rough finish. Wow. Putting the power to mm-hmm. the ground. Um <laughs> Totally thanks dude. Totally lost my train of thought. Uh Blah blah blah. We're giving him a pass because I think it's in, next week is the most important race he's yeah. had in a long time. He needs to come back next week and show that he still belongs competing for that red plate. And if he finishes like sixth, seventh, eighth next week, I think that he is just going to revert to the Barsha that we have just known that I was still kind of expecting at the beginning of the season. If he comes back and says no, 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 no. I, I was sick. I'm still here. I have figured things out. And he comes back and rattles it, a podium. I think a podium for me for Barsha next week will go a long, long way for him for this whole season. And me as a someone analyzing you right. know, this season, uh, I would definitely at that point be on the Barsha bandwagon. Yeah. And actually, Webb made a good point last night, despite having his ears tucked into his <sighs> baseball cap. Um, Doesn't make sense. Where he said um, they're they're kind of limited with the types of medication that they can take because of the testing that they have to do so that's that has hindered a lot of these riders and they've come down with the flu there's there's things that they can and can't take to help deal with the flu. yeah otherwise so. you're gonna have another christian craig situation exactly literally nobody wants right so, um it is a good point so barsha definitely gets a pass uh and then dean wilson finished top in the uh around the top 10 yep and who another rider who just you know Never really kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's a great Actually, qualifier. He qualified in fifth. He's another rider that I I think uh, is a perfect example of the difference in a two fifty rider moving up. Yeah, like Dean Wilson was a phenomenal two fifty rider. Mm-hmm. I, I I rooted for him a lot actually, and he moved up to the two fifty and it was like a lot of injuries. He has that with injury, and he has. Uh, he has speed. I just don't know that he has much else right in his repertoire that could keep him. That's going to keep him down in that like tenth spot. Totally agree. Um, interesting, awesome, fun races last night, man. I, yeah, I was. I I think it could have been better had riders not gone down because of a crap track design, and I think it would have been better had Ferrandis not 
been a bully because at that point you're probably looking at Jet Lawrence winning his first career race and not being hurt for the next three to six weeks. Yes, I still blame Ferrandez for that because here's the thing. I know Jet went down and he was the one that allowed Ferrandez in, right? I'm going back to this. I just thought of this. I meant to say this earlier. <laughs> if Jet hadn't gone down the first time, it wouldn't have been a close race in the end to be to begin with. Fine. Yes, that's on Jet. That's inexperience. That's not being able to handle the first place. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. However, I'm still blaming Ferrandez because had Ferrandez not absolutely trucked Christian and Craig, they might still have been competing for second or third and gone back and forth and allowed uh, Jet Lawrence to gap back out and not had Ferrandez on his tail in the first place where he didn't belong because he bullied his way to second at that point in the first place. So I'm blaming uh, Dylan Ferrandez for Jet Lawrence's injury and I'm blaming Dylan Ferrandez for ruining my season <laughs> in the 250s. <laughs> Thanks, Ferrandez. Thanks, Ferrandez. All right, let's talk about predictions. All right, uh, can we go through the season overall real Didn't quick? Did we just do that? No, that was the Well, we were talking about the overalls as we were going yeah. through, right, but cool. that's fine. We, we can. I'll just rat, rattle them off here. So we've got Ken Roxon took the red plate, Justin Barsha uh, three points back, Eli Tomac, Jason Anderson, Adam Ciancirulo, Cooper Webb, Zach Osborne, Malcolm Stewart, Justin Brayton, and Blake Baggett rounding out the top ten. Baggett's just another one. I just wait, like you're just waiting for him. He's gonna watch him. He's gonna win a race this year. Yeah, I'm almost guaranteeing he's gonna win a race this year. And we're like, oh my god, here he is, and then he's gonna finish like twelfth the next race. <laughs> um, where, where? Hang on one second. Mm, back to homepage here. Eight. Okay. What? What are you talking about? Sorry, I'm trying to find out. All right, so Glendale. Glendale's next week. Glendale, Arizona. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. All right, so um, predictions for Glendale. Hold on. We have to talk about how awful we did for this last week, too. All right. Because this is three, in, three weeks in a row. Although 450s, we were pretty damn good. 250s, not so much. So last week you predicted that Justin Cooper would win. Not a terrible guess. He finished second. You predicted Jet Lawrence would finish second. Also not a terrible guess because he would have won or finished second had he just stayed up. Yep. Uh, And then Forkner third. So actually you weren't – you weren't. if you replaced Forkner with Ferrandez, you you had a really good – Or possibly if Forkner didn't go down. I could have had that spot on. You you really could have, yeah. So that. <laughs> look, however, the final if, results tell you. Facto. facto. <laughs> the final results say, sir, that you were definitely not right because Jet and Forkner did not finish <laughs> no, did in not. the top three. Um, so Cooper was really the only one that ended up working out for you. I had Forkner winning because I thought he was going to continue some momentum. So shame on me. I had Cooper number two. So not only did I nail that, I nailed the position too. So. And then I had Jet Lawrence number three. So oh. we actually had the same top three. So both of us had Cooper. I was the only one that had their spot right. All so right. I won the 250s. <laughs> That's not saying much. It was terrible. Uh, we did okay in the 450s, though. Uh, so I had Roxon, Tomac, Barsha. Okay. So switch Roxon and Tomac, and that's right. And then um, I, I screwed Barsha up because I just assumed he wasn't going to be sick anymore. So... Um, so pretty damn close, two for three, as far as the top three goes. And you actually were the exact same three, just in a different order. You had Roxon winning, Barsha second, Tomac third. Okay. 
we just we both knew Tomac was going to come on. I just don't think we realized that it was going to be that. that. It was by right. the way, it, he's like Tomac, Tomac, right? You know? So, um, so four fifty is not terrible. Two for three for both of us as far as top threes go. We got to work on our two fifties a little bit. Now that we know we have a bully in the two fifties, I yeah. think we can adjust our uh, predictions accordingly. So let's talk about next week, Glendale. Um, so same thing as we usually do. I'm going to write mine down real quick. Okay. And then we can uh, go from there. Um, oh, man. It's so sad that I don't get to write Jet up on this anymore. Okay. Here we go. I'm taking a chance here. Um and I think this is what's going to happen. So go ahead and tell me what your top three predictions are. Ferrandis, Cooper, Hart, and Raft. Ferrandis, <laughs> Cooper, Hart. You know what's really funny? And again, I wrote them down before you said them so you don't influence. I had Cooper, Hart, and Raft, Ferrandis. <laughs> I, I wanted to give Hart and Raft. Like, here's the thing. Here's my prediction, right? I think Ferrandis and Cooper are going to be battling for the 1-2 spot. Ferrandis is going to try to do something dirty and go down instead of taking Cooper down. And him going down is going to push him back to third where Hart and Raff would normally be. And then Ferrandis is going to finish off in third and probably take out Forkner again. So okay. that's where I, that's coming from me. So I'm predicting that Ferrandis and Forkner are going to be fighting it out for the first spot. And Forkner is going to go down, which is going to put Cooper in the second spot and Hart and third. third. That's probably closer to an accurate prediction, but I'm just I want to give Hart and Rath the benefit of the doubt, and I'm putting him up in second. So there's that. He is the hero. He is the hero for this season. So four fifties. I don't know that I can really even go too far off from what I've been been doing at this point. Okay. Um, So. I wonder if you're going to go where I'm going. So go ahead. I wrote mine down. What here's? I think we just saw the start of the rest of the season. So I'm going to put Tomac in number one. Um, I, I got to put... Uh... No, you know what? Scratch that. I'm putting Webb at number one. Okay. I think Tomac's going to come in second. Um, I don't think we're gonna see our second, our our first multiple, multiple winner of the season yet. Um, I think we've still got a few more weeks before we get to that point. So Webb, Tomac, Roxon. Okay. And uh, I believe that still allows Roxon. Roxon will keep the red the red number plate. Sure. So I like where you where your head's at. I went with your initial instinct. I think we are now. I think Tomac just woke up, and I think he just kind of looked around and said, "Oh crap, we're racing," and then showed up to the race and started doing Tomac things. Yep. So I feel like that is where we are, at least for the a short period now <laughs> for the time being. So I went Tomac number one. Roxon has been too awesome the past couple of weeks to take him anywhere other than second for me right now. But I'm sliding Barsha back up to three. I have to admit, you may have talked me into the bandwagon a little bit, and I really, really want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was sick this week. And I think next week is, again, so important for him. He needs a podium. So I'm going to will it into being by predicting him third for next week. And uh, Webb, Anderson, Cianciarulo, I think they all do the the usual 4-5-6 thing. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, if I were to do top four, I think Barsha would fall at my number four. I would put Webb right at number four, too. Okay. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty damn close there. So, so um, yeah, keep a lookout for a couple new T-shirts that I'm going to put up on the website. One, Star Wars-style Ferrandis as the Evil Emperor. And two, a There Goes My Hero with Brandon Hart and Raph. Oh, my God. Can we do a Ferrandis? <laughs> <laughs> yes on the heart and ref one. Actually, yes on both of them. Um, can we do one for Ferrandis that has like a picture of Ferrandis or his number or something on the back that says, give me your lunch money? <laughs> <laughs> Matt fact, give me your shoes, give too. Give me your shoes, too. <laughs> He's like, De- like Debo from Friday. <laughs> riding around on his little bicycle. <laughs> I just it's got to it's got to say give me your lunch money somewhere on that because he was just he, absolute bully and then yeah heart the uh, heart and raff hero, um, yep. heart and raff like a Superman cape yes like, oh that just, would be awesome yeah absolutely let's make this happen I I would I will buy both of those t shirts <laughs> all three of those t shirts if we make those. So, nice. <laughs> I think that does it for us, man. Guys, don't forget, Jug Club is launching. Jump on now while you can. You'll be locked into the $5 a month for as long as you want to remain in Jug Club, including all of the benefits, both at launch and any that come down the pipeline. So you're going to want to get in on that now before things change. Um, and again, subscribe, like, share. We really appreciate all of your support. Hopefully it continues. Uh, Jesse, you got anything else for everybody? <clears throat> Just looking forward to the, some races next week. Hopefully, uh, Ferran- the, uh, the the carnage behind Ferrandis isn't too long next week. And hope it would be really cool is if we got a different winner again in each class. Yeah, that would be awesome. If, if, for both classes that have four different winners in four races, I think would be fairly unprecedented, at least in recent memory. So. Yeah. Yep. Been a good season so far, man. Let's hope it keeps going. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.